Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. I have Lisa Valentine Clark, who is a friend. She entertains me and she's also happens to be related to me. So here we go. Um, We're going to talk about something that she and her late husband introduced to me, which is the 15 minute pity party. And it totally changed my life. And so I wanted my guests you know, the audience to hear it from you, not from me. So Lisa has performed with the sketch comedy improv troupe, the Garens co-founded the theater as, um, as improv troupe, the Trillionaires, which performs original improvised plays and musical in a variety of genres. She's been featured in the movies, stalking Santa. We love you, Sally Carmichael, (laughs) my brother in the time traveler. Sorry, my eyes are dry. Carrie Carrington, and in the film, Once I Was a Beehive, and Once I Was Engaged. Lisa works as a freelance writer for commercials and comedic projects, represents chat books, their real mom as a guest host on Random Acts, and a regular on show-offs. She currently hosts the Lisa Show, found on BYU Radio. Lisa's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And I have let's to talk about grief. <laughs> I know. So this is so why you're fun. here. But the best part is... Um, Back when I started working out at the gym, mm-hmm. I would go to the same class. You know, what was it? 9 a.m. I don't even know. Yeah, what it was it. a 9 a.m. power pump. Power pump. <laughs> and so I needed to feel the power. Yes. But I had my blinders on. I would go to that gym. I didn't talk to anyone. I was not social. I would go to that class. We had our same spots. Yep. And <laughs> I didn't talk to you. <laughs> Turns out I'd look behind me after what, a year, year and a half? I'm like, you look familiar. <laughs> do I know you? You're like, uh, I'm, I'm on TV and do some some stuff. stuff. I'm a crazy lady. I'll I play felt... the wacky mom on your TV. Yes. I felt <laughs> totally dumb. And then my mom's like, also, she's your second cousin. Right. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. We're in Utah. Okay. Exactly. That's the best thing. I know we stay in our little corners, don't we? And yes. I, I was telling you a little bit earlier I always just admired you. I was like, if I look like her, man, I'm coming to the right class someday. If I just stick with her, just look at that butt all yeah. morning. Beautiful and perfect. Oh my God. Well done and congratulations. Thank you. It's gotten bigger since then. I'm very proud of it. Good job. <laughs> all right. So, really, though, you're here because one, I do think that grief includes laughter. Absolutely. And I love that about you because you give in that way. Um, but you also taught me this other little trick. And so I wanted the audience to kind of know some of your story. So will you tell them a little bit about you and Topher? Absolutely. So my husband, my late husband, Christopher Layton Clark, we call him Topher or just, you know, our family, uh, he and I had been married for a long time since 1995. And, um, in the spring of 2016, he was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, um, which is terminal, which has no known cause. It has no known like progression. Some people go fast, some people go slow. I mean, there's just, it's easier to say what they don't know than what they don't, Mm -hmm. they know. They just don't know anything. 
and um, the average life expectancy for someone uh, with ALS is two to five years. Christopher um, lived for four and a half years. Uh, And when he was first diagnosed, he was otherwise the picture of health. We had five children at the time, ranging in ages from eight to 18. We were busy with our lives, totally and completely just happy and doing a million things. He just gotten his PhD in education, leadership, and theater. He was the chair of the theater department at Utah Valley University, directing some of the best um, plays and musicals in the Valley. Um, He had a London study abroad program that he took students to every year. We, We traveled a lot. He presented papers all over the world. We were just living the life. And so this diagnosis, which just was like, no, there's something weird in my leg came as a complete and total shock. And, and especially in the beginning, when he and I both knew that this was what it was going to to be, it was so overwhelming. We didn't really talk about it for a couple of weeks. We were just in shock, like trying to wrap our heads around it. And once we were able to tell everyone and, and sort of, you know, get that initial shock to, okay, what can we control and what can we do? He went to a therapist, a therapist specifically for um, grief for end of life, mm. saying, I'm in this position I never thought I would be in. It's such a shock, you know, help me. And this therapist um, who just kind of came in and out of our lives, just kind of mysteriously uh, worked with him and gave him this 10, 15 minute principle. And he immediately shared it with me. We've shared it with lots of people be when, when they would ask, how are you functioning? How are you happy? How are you still going to work and making dumb jokes? And yeah, no, he was theater. He, it didn't slow him down. I don't know how to express that other, you know, he didn't, uh, he, he made light. Down. He, he brought laughter to the grief of being terminally, terminally ill, like when his little Instagram posts would come up and I'm like, should I be laughing at this? Yes. (laughs) But also it's hilarious. It was. And, and he, that was his focus and that's how he really was. Um, I, so the principle, the 10, 15 minute principle that, that the, uh, his therapist gave him was, listen, this is awful. Like, this is the worst case scenario. This is horrible. Feel sorry for yourself take 10 to 15 minutes every day to to cry, to be mad, to feel whatever and feel awful. Then when you're done, get on with your day, like keep living because you don't know how long you're going to live. You know, you don't want to be in constant, you know, misery. And that just clicked for him and made sense. And we all then in turn, like followed his lead. You know, I remember a couple of weeks after his diagnosis, you know, he got invited to go to a wedding and I had a job. I was doing freelance acting and I had an acting job in California. And I was like, well, I can't leave now. And he was like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, you have a terminal disease. I can't like leave home. And he just looked at me and he's like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're not. He goes, what are we going to do? Like stay in our beds and cry all day long. And I was like, yeah, actually that's, (laughs) that was my plan. What I want to do it's, it feels right. And he was like, no, 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 I'm going to my wedding. I'm, you know, cause he was in the wedding party. He's like, you're going to go on, uh, you know, do your TV show and we're going to live life. We're not going to let this get in the way. He's like, we don't know how long we are. We're not going to waste any time. And I was like, okay. 
And that's just how we lived for four and a half years. Now it got a little bit tricky. Let's, you know, as he deteriorated, he slowly lost the ability to walk and then the ability of his arms and then his hands and his fingers, and then eventually his speech. So really for the last one and a half, two years, he couldn't, um, you know, he had the Stephen Hawking kind of Mm -hmm. where he would, um, equipment where he would type out with his eyes and these little glasses, um, words and phrases and things like that. And, and so staying on top of that was a different kind of anxiety, a different kind of grief of anticipating his needs as they deteriorated. But, uh, you know, he didn't cry every day, but we laughed every day, mm-hmm. you know, and especially at that. the end when he became and had a lot of, uh, peace with what was going on, you know, still laughing, still laughing. Um, two days before he passed away. I mean, this is kind of the the fast forward can't move can barely move his like neck side to side and one thumb to, to click, um, kind of his mouse on his computer. So he could kind of type like this and blink and then click with his thumb. We're talking about end of life care. He can't get a deep breath. He's having panic attacks because mm-hmm. he can't get enough oxygen. He doesn't want to trach. We've mm-hmm. talked about all the things we talked and planned for all of the things. Um, so we're talking about making him comfortable. And, you know, when your hospice team talks about making you comfortable, you know what that means. And we're coming to term with that on his terms and what he wants. And it's very emotional and it's our 25th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And he has orchestrated by texting a bunch of our friends, a big elaborate surprise. So our friends who are, you know, theater choreographers and designers and set come and transform our backyard into this like an Italian outdoor restaurant with these big, huge silver inflatable balls. It's 25 years of silver. And he has Ryan and Nez come and sing a song to us. He has my brother-in-law make me a piece of jewelry. I mean, it, he has our friend come and cater the event. He's a caterer. And it was, you know, uh, we didn't know how close, but we knew that it was close and, and, and it was sad and touching and he was making jokes and laughing and making everybody laugh and, and making fun of himself and just how ridiculous and sad the situation mm-hmm. was and, and how much, you know, we were so emotional and, and, and crying and just was like, okay, no more crying. You know, I'm having a hard time breathing and just trying to make a, a joke out of and not out of inappropriate things. Cause yeah. there was a time to be tender and a time to be sad about it. And he was, but he never shied away, even at the very end from being able to laugh if something was funny and not, and giving the cue to everyone else around him that not only yeah. is that okay, but that's actually a gift to him that you're getting. Yeah. You know, the, the he did the dressed up like Frankenstein to do oh, that. I remember it. Well, putting on the Ritz video, <laughs> because when he started losing his voice, I had that like ice cream voice, like it's, he sounded like Frankenstein and he would make fun of his, his voice. And so he thought he and his cousin just made this putting on the Ritz kind of thing where he just would try to talk and he couldn't. And he, all throughout the video, you can see it on, yes. on, on Instagram, Topher underscore Clark. <laughs> He's laughing mm-hmm. because he can't get through a take. Cause he thinks it's so funny. And I've had so many friends like you who like, we're like, I want to laugh at this, but yes. is this like laughing up a handicapped? And I'm like, nope, this is him giving you permission that it's funny. That's why he did it. Mm-hmm. And you have to laugh about it. So that's what he modeled. That's how he lived. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to be like Topher. 
Yeah. And you are. That's hard. Yeah. You're both a gift. Okay. That's the long and the short of it, (laughs) but it's beautiful. And I think if all of us can show up in those ways, when we are grieving, that's ideal. Right. And like you said, there's bad days and there's the days where you can say that, that, that pity party worked and I can go on and be a mom and be an employee or a boss or a friend or whatever compartmentalize when you need Mm -hmm. to. And like for Chris, sometimes he did need to take those 10 to 15 minutes. And, but most days, especially at the end, he didn't, he didn't need that. And, and, and I think that's okay. And for me, some days I need 10 or 15 minutes and that's great. And some days I don't need it. And some days I need a little bit longer and I'm okay with that too. Isn't it interesting? So I feel that too. And this, this whole idea, I teach it now to the women I get to mentor. That's awesome. Yeah. And they're in a different situation. They're, you know, coming out of betrayal and just feeling so lost and hurt. You need to feel lost and hurt, right. To, to move through that. And yet we want to push it away. This is so uncomfortable. Mm. I need to be happy. I need to put on my show. Yeah. And it's just, it's a mess. And so this was a gift for me to be able to, I did it in the shower Mm -hmm. and it was my, and I still do it when I need it. I talk to God. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm just making sure, you know, how crappy my life is bad. (laughs) Like people are telling me this is the very worst thing they can imagine happening. And it's happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you know that? Cause it's the worst. (laughs) <laughs> and just sobbing. And I did it in the shower for a couple of reasons. I didn't want my kids to hear me sobbing, like crying. I'm okay with, but yeah. sobbing scared him. Yeah, of course. And the shower, this, the water felt cleansing and just, I felt like I could just be one-on-one with my higher power Yeah, I love that. and just get it out. And then I'd get out of the shower and it's like, okay, like it's still going to be yeah. here but I can go on with my day because I was, I allowed myself to feel. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so important just to allow um, yourself, the more you fight it, it's like, yes. you know, taking the beach ball and trying to like shove it under the water. That's a good one. Like, I'm just going to shove it under the water and then it's going <laughs> to slip and smack you in the face. Yeah. You just have to hold it and acknowledge it. Here you are. Now I'm going to put you to the side for a while. I know mm-hmm. you're still there, but I don't need you, you know, right smacking here. me in the face. Yes. Right. I love that. Um, and so just the other day, I, I, we call the grief like waves. Right. And so, like you said, uh, it, one day you're happy or you're with joy, but then the next you're in that sorrow again of grief, or I sometimes have stages where I'm mad again and I'm like, wait, I've already been all through this. And I'm very in a place of peace and have zero feelings of anger or sadness for my situation. And yet what, two weeks ago, I had a day where I'm like, nope, turns out I'm mad. And I'm really mad today. And I just let myself be mad and journaled and took my bath and was sad and cried. And I was like, okay, that felt so good to just acknowledge that even though I don't want to feel mad at this point, like why the heck am I feeling mad? But I am. Yeah. And it's okay. And it's okay. I, I, I think also there's this, not only is it okay, but it's just the way it's going to be. And I, that's the hard thing. I think that it's come to me because I think, well, I will figure this out. You know, I've read every book <laughs> on grief Yes, because I was going to, I bought, you know, stacks and stacks of books and I read stacks and stacks of books um, about the afterlife and everything. Yes. And I remember my sister who knows me better than anybody else came over and she goes, 
Oh, what are we doing? Oh, we got a project here. Nice. Oh, so you're going to outthink grief, are mm-hmm. you? Yeah. And I go, yeah. Cause if I can crack the code and figure it out, then I won't have to experience it for so long and I'll be able to move more quickly. And she's like, so how's that going for yeah, you? Good how's, luck. That, how's that? <laughs> You okay? Why don't we put these books down? Why don't we come over here and talk? You know, and she is the first one that like, yeah, really called me out of like, there's no, there's no shortcut for Mm -hmm. anybody. You can't outthink it. You can't outsmart it. You can't outstudy it. You know, you can't even outfeel it really. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be what it's going to be. And there is that like loss of uh, a sense of control. Yes. I, I, I found myself saying, Oh, I just missed that feeling. Like I was in control. I know I never was, I know yeah. it was an illusion, but it was a happy illusion. It was it really was just to think that your choices could determine mm-hmm. your future, like that you had a little bit more control and just be known that you're, that life just isn't like that for anyone. Right. Is just, it's just a just, little wake just, up yeah, and it's just disappointing. <laughs> yes. And I think we're both in that situation where right now it's just so much uncertainty Yeah, and just being okay with, I don't know. I really don't know what next week looks like. Someone asked me, well, what are you, yeah. What are you going to do? Like when you're an empty nester, which is not very far away, <laughs> or what are you going to do in the next five years? And I just had to say, I don't think like yeah. that anymore. I mean, I could give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll be <laughs> traveling, but I mean, I doesn't matter though, because to me, it's so silly Yeah. because I think no, no one knows. And the more we project and say, my life's going to look like this in five years. And in 10 years, I think the more we set ourselves up for disappointment, I mm-hmm. think it's a lot better to, to focus on things you do have control with of like, you know what, in five years, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. You know, I'm going, I'm going to be confident in, um, decision-making or, you know, more confident in, in my intention and stronger in my relationships. Like those are things that you can actually do and and work on and work on no matter what happens around you. But the whole idea, yeah, there's something about projecting and Mm -hmm. thinking about the future that is still really, really difficult for me. I agree. And it's, it's really living in the day. And it sounds like you probably learned how to do that very well when Topher was with you in those last days, it was actually a lot easier to be, to stay present and to live in the moment with Christopher, because he pulled me back to that reality all the time. Every time I remember one time, you know, I had to do everything for, he couldn't even scratch Mm -hmm. his nose, poor guy, you know, so like getting him up and out of bed and feeding him in his feeding tube and getting him into the shower and his teeth brushed and all of his meds crushed and put in his feeding tube and Mm -hmm. dressed and, and lotioned and puffed and pampered, you know, cause nothing for the best. And then we'd stretch him and everything. It was like a two hour process every day, just getting him ready. And so we had a lot of time just to, you know, talk, usually me doing most of the talking, which he was like, you've been waiting your whole life for this. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm ready. Don't worry, Chris, I'll talk for the both of us. I mean, that was the big joke, right? Cause I'm just like, and he just, I was like, now you have to listen. Sorry. But one day I was just looking at him and just And he couldn't smile at a certain point and it broke my heart Mm -hmm. and I was crying and he, and he, and and I said, it just looks like you're mad all the time, even though I know you're not, he's like, it hurts. I mean, not, it doesn't hurt. It was just, he couldn't, he didn't have any um, control of his muscles. That's ALS interrupts the um, synapses between your neurons and your Mm -hmm. muscles. So they just atrophy and die. And he's like, I I'm trying really hard to smile. And so he would try really hard to make his eyes bright. And he's like, when I'm 
making my eyes bright, it means that I'm smiling at like, how sweet is that? And so one day he, he was trying to just smile at me and I could tell it was taking him a lot of effort and I, it was just too heartbreaking. And I just was crying and, and he's like, why are you crying? Or he typed out later. And I said, what do you mean? Why am I crying? Oh, I'm in love with my husband and he's slowly deteriorating and dying. And it's really sad. And he was like, oh, that old story. (laughs) Get over it. Get over it. That that was his his answer was like, oh, old news. You're still crying about that. And I was like, Chris, sometimes I can cry and be sad in front of you and it's okay. And he said, yes, I know, but that's not where we live. He would Mm -hmm. always be like, but I'm still here. I'm still here. And he would say that all the time. Like, look at me, focus me. Like, don't, don't spiral in there. I'm still here. We're still making memories. I'm still here. So he, so I thought, you know, that's a gift I can give to him, Mm -hmm. right. By being present. And it was really, really hard. Uh, It's not my nature, but I was like, you know what? It's not too much for him to ask for me to be encouraging. And if I need to go cry in the car, mm-hmm. which I did a lot, yeah, then go cry in the car, but you don't always need to do it in his face. Like mm-hmm. every day, like that's a lot for one person yeah. to handle. Cause he knew that he was causing that mm-hmm. unintentionally. Right. So, so it is a mixture of showing your emotions, having your, you know, your yeah. private moments. But then after he died, that's when, that's when the real grief, because there was, a, he, he wasn't there anymore, yeah. you know, to help me through it. And, and there was just a way about him that just was light and funny and present and just hilarious. And just that drew you in, that kept you focused. And now I've ha- have to create that on my own. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that in, in an authentic way. And it's mm-hmm. hard. It's harder with him taking care of him. Like, as he would say, it's like I'm a baby because yeah. you have to do everything was, it was, that wasn't hard this is hard, mm-hmm. you know, doing life without him, you know. Thank you for sharing that. Can I bring in for some of the listeners who, who share my story, um, which is so different than, but it's still the, like the grieving is so similar, it really is. even though it's different heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who are possibly adopting this idea and having that 15 minute pity party and, and then trying to stay present, and having, because this happens where the partner who has betrayed says, aren't you over this yet? So it's interesting how that like old funny. story, Lisa, yeah. get over this. And yeah, it, like that old thing. And it's different, but it actually is the same. And so the idea of, and, and we just talked about this on a previous podcast, mindfulness, which is yeah. what you were practicing by staying present mm-hmm. and being with the person who's there when we choose to stay after betrayal. Mm-hmm that is us staying in present. Right. And we're yeah. saying, Hey, I'm still here and I hurt and I'm grieving and I'm trying to find healing for my heart, Yeah, but I'm here and we need yeah. to find that joy in the day. We need to recognize that we're in the day and not jump to the past of, Oh, that it made me crazy to yeah. start connecting all the dots of like, how did I not know? And it's happened again through my divorce of like, how did I miss all these, you know, Oh no, you know, am I broken? Cause I couldn't see his sorrow. Yeah. Um, and then not jumping to that uncertainty of the future. Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Is this going to work out? What if I do all this healing and then we get divorced? That's my story. Yeah. It's not worth my time. It's not worth it because it doesn't change the outcome mm-hmm. and it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your kids. It doesn't serve 
your husband, it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. It's, it's a false sense of control and a false sense of, um, of, of comfort. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it doesn't do any good. Yeah. And, but it's so hard because it's so human, right? Yeah. Like it's it so really human is. and, and it's, I mean, I struggle with it every day. And so a lot of times I, I will think, well, what is it that I'm really scared of? You know, mm -hmm. what is it that it is the real fear that I'm saying? And it's those things, right. That we share that are so human, but that is so personally, like uniquely us, the things that is, are hard to say out loud, like, well, I'm afraid that no one can ever see yeah. who I really am. Or if they do, they won't love they, me Yes. or that I'll be alone forever. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you say those things and, and I felt those things and I was loved and beloved and, and I, and, um, you can still be loved and beloved and betrayed and left. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, it's so universal. It's, it really it's ridiculous because it doesn't, it feel so personal. Yes. Like, and, and now it's really interesting because I do think that grief, uh, does tricky things to your brain. And I've studied the brain science and chemistry of this. Just let me tell you, I love it. Um, because your brain wants to protect you. Yeah. And so it's willing to tell you any lies or anything to soothe you or to avoid this situation in the future. And so even though, you know, my husband died and he didn't want to die and he didn't want to leave me mm -hmm. and like, why did he leave me? Yeah. He probably didn't love me. Like, Whoa. and my brain, no, I, and it, I know it sounds silly to say that out loud, but that's how it works. But it, it, your, my body feels the grief as if that were true, mm -hmm. even though intellectually, I know yeah. that's not true. He didn't choose that's it. how, that's how grief is. And that's why people talk about grief in, in these overwhelming ways, because some of those things, you know, we're unwilling to sort of talk about yeah. because it's so uncomfortable. You know, what's interesting with that. I keep seeing these little connections between our stories, even though it's so different, yeah. but that feeling of, um, my, my partner did choose to do these things and to leave and, and to betray. And I totally took it personal. How do you not? Um, but you know, once you move through that grief and have that hindsight, mm -hmm. I, I get it now. And I'm like, Oh, it wasn't me. No. It's not my stuff. No. And I can feel sorrow for where he was mm -hmm. and also honor that those were his choices. And like, we can live our separate lives now and both find our own happiness. It's just crazy because in the beginning, that was not a thought in my brain. Well, when you're so panicked that, that, you know, those initial phases mm -hmm. and moments of grief, when it's so overwhelming, oh, and yeah. it, it's so physical, it's so visceral. Yes. It's so crying on the bathroom floor. Like, who am I? Yeah. I didn't think the body could produce that many tears. <laughs> Maybe I should be studied by science, <laughs> which is a real thought that I've had more than once of like Aww. the tears keep coming. I don't even think I drink this much liquid in a day. How is this happening? You know, that like, just how am I going to survive? Is this how I'm going to feel every day yeah. in my life? But our brains are wired to tell us these things to protect us. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not very helpful yeah. and, and quieting that and being present and being mindful and being grateful and not toxic positivity, not looking yes. on the bright side, but looking, you know, not everything is good. Not everything is bad. You know, it kind of, it, it calms our brains in a way that, that gets it you know, to, to sort of trust and then get out of that fight or flight mm -hmm. sort of panic, which, you know, I still experience from time to time. So I love it. I love this conversation because I do think if 
everyone could learn to grieve, even though every situation is different. Sometimes I'm like, wait, how do I do this again? (laughs) But I know how to grieve. I'm like an expert in grieving, right? So are you. And yet something may come in our future that knocks us off our feet again. And it's like, wait, Oh, wait, all these cycles are normal and it's okay if I go backwards and then forward and all over the place. Um, tell me, were there, I know you, since you read a lot of books, (laughs) were there any that you would recommend that you liked? I have some, I'd love to hear yours. There's a book. I wish I could remember the author called anxiety, the forgotten stage of grief. Oh, and I, I kept feeling, uh, so anxious and I've never been an anxious person before. I mean, I've always had a lot of energy that I've probably, you know, <laughs> listen, <laughs> hindsight, we're not going there, but anywho, a, a large amount of like, like night sweats, gasping mm-hmm. for breath in the middle of the night, you know, like waking up yes. like as if the house were on fire kind of anxiety or someone would mention something or catch me off guard. And it was anxiety. It wasn't mm-hmm. sadness, but it was like, I felt like my heart was beating irregular. Like it was anxiety. And, um, you know, the grief, the books on grief talk about the stages of grief mm-hmm. and, you know, denial and anger and things, but that was written about people who were dying. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, their loved ones. And so I saw Chris go through those, those stages to acceptance, but, um, but I wasn't experiencing it like that. And so I felt like, well, this is weird, or maybe this is something wrong with me and my denial mm-hmm. is, is this something that, um, I felt like I was in danger or I felt like there was a big secret that everybody else Mm -hmm. knew that I didn't know, you know, that kind of like nervousness. Mm -hmm. And I read this book and it was basically just talking about how anxiety happens with grief and what it looks like and what it feels like. And I, every page I was like me, me, me. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Underline, underline, underline. And it, and it just validated me and calmed my brain in a way that, that just was a, it was a good turning point for me. Mm, It was a really great turning point for me. And another one that was was C.S. Lewis's, you know, book where he wrote about his, um, his grief after his wife, um, passed and it's, it's heartbreaking. And, um, I probably underlined the whole book and read it twice in a row and read that. And I just thought, um, you know, a grief, grief observed, um, it made me feel like I was, I uh, wasn't alone and I was part of a club that mm. no one wants to be in, but that, um, I just felt seen. And I think in your grief, when you feel so yes. alone, just to have somebody witness it is significant. It was to me. Absolutely. And speaking of, I have to mention my father passed away almost two years, um, December 27th. And we did this like pilgrimage basically back with my mom and all my adult siblings in their motor home. Cause he passed away when they were traveling mm-hmm. from Florida, all the way to Southern Utah. So it was this week long trip and we were, you know, laughing and telling stories and I would share on Instagram. And I remember you commenting and you won't remember this, but we were quoting hor- I mean, we grew up on like Spaceballs, the know, movie, yeah, like, no, I'm with you. really yeah. good quality entertainment for same. kids. <laughs> it so, was a different time. It was a different time. It was time. the 80s. It was a different time. Everything was PG. Yep. So we were putting, you know, just ridiculous quotes on the back of the motorhome because we're like, we're Spaceballs. Yes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're well, doing it. Clearly is exactly what it is. And I was so grateful because some people were like, uncomfortable. Why are you guys making light of such a tragic thing? And why are you guys being so silly? 
And you were the only one who responded and said, I love seeing you guys laughing through your grief. Like that's part of it. I forgot that I said, but I remember you watching that and remember thinking, yes, that's how to do it. Cause that's what your dad would want. Yes. I mean, I didn't know your dad very well. I only knew him peripherally, but, but like when I think of what those who love us Mm -hmm. want, they don't want us wearing black and staying home and crying all day for years and years after their death. They just, if they just don't, and we have to stop pretending like they do. I or that it, that it honors them. Yeah. I mean, we can grieve however feels right. Yeah. And so I love those books oh, that you mentioned. Thanks. And I love the, the laughter. Yes. Um, I read a book, someone gifted it to me called how to heal your heart. Oh. And it is for anyone who's going through divorce or mm-hmm. who's been widowed, um, or who's been through a breakup. I'll and so it's kind of an all in one and it's on grief and it's okay. just, it's a beautiful book. And, um, I also read it's okay to laugh and it's cool to cry too. I'm reading that right now. Oh, do you like yeah, it? Yeah, I like it. In fact, I'm interviewing Nora. Are you really? On my show. Aww. Yeah, because she has a similar, you know, story. Yeah. I guess to both of us because she lost her dad and her husband and and had a miscarriage like within the same couple of months and a lot of grief. Yeah. And she created a club. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> I really enjoyed her book. So um, hopefully there's some resources for you, but really the 15 minute pity party. I mean, that's easy. We can all do that. And you do like things where, you know, you're, you're in the thick of it and yeah. you're, especially when you're in the beginning, like, well, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to sit in our beds and cry? I mean, I don't know. We're we supposed to like go to the store and buy milk. Like that doesn't <laughs> seem right either. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we're supposed to live life and then, or like, you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And especially if no one around you is going through the same thing you are, you're just like, what do we do? And, um, so I loved it when people said, you know, what helped me like, this might not help you, mm. but why don't you try this? And I just thought, yeah, I'll try that. And another thing that I tried was a gratitude journal. Yeah. You know, I'd read all the science about it, check and anecdotally and like spiritually, like for my spiritual leaders and stuff. And I just thought, okay, if e- literally <laughs> everyone <laughs> is saying that this is a good idea that I'm going to try it and I'll show you because I am going through something really horrible and, da, 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 da. and that gratitude, I called it my sad, sad journal. Like it's just a, this blue book and that people are like, what's that? I'm like, oh, that's my sad, sad journal where I put all my thoughts and stuff. But, um, and I just like big crocodile tears lopping on the pages like, oh. but I kept every night, I think of five things mm-hmm. and, and, and it really did help. It really just focused my, like, yeah, this is horrible. And look what this person did for you. And look at that moment yeah. that you had with your kid and look at this moment that you had with Topher or whatever it was, it was, uh, it's like one of my most prized possessions now, Oh, I love so, that. you know, to write in a gratitude journal on the worst day of your life, it, it says something, you know, and it's had yeah. a lot of special meaning to me. Thank you for sharing that. Cause oh, I do, uh, the girls in my groups that we mentor the last three things of their daily checklist is to write three things that, oh. you know, wins for their day, the gratitude. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I went to bed with the dishes dirty. That's big for me. Yeah. That's a win, even though it sounds like a failure. No, but you have to, it, yeah. it, it's learning how to enjoy life in a different way. Yes. Like I'll only be happy if my life looks like this is a really hard way to live. But if you open it up to say what wonderful, magical things might happen today mm-hmm. is a different way to live, you know? And, and sometimes there were those days where it was like, I'm just glad this day is done and I don't yeah. have to do that. But a lot of mine, um, you know, were food related too, which made me, you know, which is, you know, a nice warm churro or something oh, yeah. out of the order. And it helps you to, to re like discover 
like the things that you just take for granted yeah. that actually do make you happy. Mm -hmm. And then you do, you're more likely to do more of those. Yes. And that's the the gift that you don't realize you're doing yeah. is saying, okay, this worked for me and I had a really good day. Yeah. Maybe I should do more of yeah. that thing. Yeah. I've noticed on the days that like I go for a run outside, yeah. that day seems to go better. I wonder if there's something to Could Yes. Working out my anxiety and exercise. I wonder if there's a, is that a thing, you know, and it's never been told. So yeah, never. <laughs> crazy. I know it's all these things that we're taught and told mm -hmm. and we read about, we listen yeah. to. And yet when it happens to us, yep. it feels so alone mm -hmm. and we feel, I felt just shaky. Like yeah. I know so many things and yet I know nothing. Like, because none of I, us can escape it. Yeah. That's what's the hard part. And about so just telling people you'll all, everyone will experience it. it it's true. It, yeah. I feel like we micro grieve every day, just yeah. little things, oh, yeah. just like you're already doing it and you may not even realize yeah, it. And so it's smart. just practicing little tiny grievances, whether it's being a parent and having to grieve that your child is telling you they hate you or yeah. <laughs> that's a fun moment. It's that you so don't good. Anything. That's another <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yes. But those are all part of it. And so you're grieving, but it's, sometimes it's a, it's a really heavy and big grief Yeah. and it's okay if you don't know what you're doing. Cause we didn't know what we were doing. No and I don't know that anyone does. I do think it's important. And you mentioned this is finding the validation in our, in our pain and finding support. So finding the people who are, who've been there, done that Yes. and what they've done may not work for us, but I it's had okay. friends, um, you know, uh, Jordan Stanley, yeah, I love her. And yeah. I love her sister. I know Gabby. Okay. So in one of my moments where I lost my mind, yeah. I couldn't remember any of my tools Yep. and we're about to tell our children we're getting divorced. <laughs> and so I'm just like panic attack, yep. like texting Jordan. I don't know what to do. And, uh, and she calls, she FaceTimes me and she's like, Ashlyn, you know what to do go to the sink and splash cold water on your yep. face right yep. now. And I'm just on FaceTime, like <gasps> doing, you know, I have makeup on. I never yep. really wear makeup. It was just a mess, but I was like, okay, she saw me in that moment. And she helped me in that moment. She wasn't going through the same grief. Nope. She didn't need to, mm -hmm. but she could see me. She witnessed it for you. Yeah. And so I that's all we that. need. We just need to find at least a couple people in our life. Yep. I always say you need like two or three people because yeah. it seems like a lot for one person. Yes, not. it is. But who will really see you and sit with you and cry with you when mm -hmm. there are no answers yeah. and not everybody. It's amazing how some of the people who I thought, oh, they'll be so good at this because of their background in this mm -hmm. or their life experience just quietly said, ah, oh, good luck mm -hmm. and just disappeared mm -hmm. into the background. And then people who I hadn't thought showed up and said, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Let's go. I had a friend like that too, when we had to tell our kids that Chris had a terminal disease mm. and now we have kids on varying level, you know, eight to 18, Yeah, they're all in different areas of understanding. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. And she just looked at me and said, that sounds horrible. Like the worst thing in the world. And it was oddly calming yeah. to me because I was like, it's not that bad because like, <laughs> you might like be one of those that, you know, just slowly progress. Like mm -hmm. I was still in that denial, denial of like, maybe it won't be that bad. I mean, I know he'll eventually die of it, but maybe yeah. it'll be in 20 years. Maybe he'll be one of the, maybe they'll come up with a cure. Yeah. Maybe we, I'm going to actually, <laughs> I'm working on a cure and I actually did try to cure him for nine months. Anyway, oh that's my another gosh, story. I love was, you. Cause your brain thinks 
Anything's possible. Solutions. Like the worst. Fix case it. Had, like maybe he's the one. Like the, you know, anyway. So I was in this crazy position and all she had to do was to say, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Instead of following me down my crazy line. And then she also put a gallon of Alfredo sauce in my huh. refrigerator and four pounds of cookie dough. Oh and I remember asking her what, why? And she goes, I don't know. When you told me that news, I just went and got cream and started putting it in a pot. And it just seemed like the right thing to do. Oh my gosh. Is that the funniest thing? I was I like, love that. I couldn't tell her that she was wrong. I'm like, it's not that it was the wrong thing. I, I, I just, it was actually brilliant. She's like, now you have meals and cookie dough. And so we just, you know, joke with each other. I'm like, do you need me to go and put cookie dough in your freezer? Like, how bad is it? Like, is it that What bad? level are we? Like, am I dumping a gallon of cream in a pot? Is it that bad? No, it's not that bad. Okay. 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 You know, sort of the litmus test for tragedy, but it's nice when people who don't know what to say, show up yeah. and say, I don't know what to say. That sounds horrible. That I had no idea it was that simple. Yeah. And I, usually, I, I didn't help my friends before I went through this in the way that I now know same. I should have, or I regret. You know? Same. And I still don't. Sometimes I still am like, wait, are they asking for <laughs> answers? And I don't have any. And yeah. so I just say that, like, I wish I had answers and I don't, but that just sounds like there's, what do we say all the time? Like that makes sense. Why you feel that way? Yes, <laughs> because I say it to myself all the time. Yes. I'm like, that makes sense. Why I feel crazy. It makes sense. Why I'm so sad. Or I was like always so tired and I just thought, why am I so tired? And it was so nice for my sister to say, because everything in your life is new and yeah. that's exhausting. You know, you're working full time. You're Mm -hmm. helping grieving kids. You're trying to figure out how to live. All your routines are different. You're exhausted. You're crying. Like, of course you're exhausted. Yes. I'm exhausted looking at you. See, but and it was just, I, in yes. my mind, I was like, this doesn't, what's, what's wrong with me? Wrong with Do, maybe I need a better multivitamin, you know, like it just didn't dawn on me that yeah, you're just going to be sad for a long time or you're yeah. going to be tired or, or that these things have like a physical effect on you. You mm -hmm. can't outsmart them. And, and I think being a witness for each other in our grief, that's, what's helped me. You know, I, I had a bad grief day yesterday and just when I like had done my 15 minutes mm -hmm. and then a song comes on and oh Nope. Another 15 minutes. And yeah. then, and then I start thinking about things and get really mad. And I could, I could see that I was working myself up mm. in kind of that panic thing. And I just thought, I could go in my bed and kind of cry and like shut the door. And sometimes that helps. Mm -hmm. I know what the right thing to do is, is to call my sister, but I don't want to bug her. Mm. But what if she's doing something, but I know I need to reach out to somebody. Like I was yeah. making fun of myself for my own tools. I ended up calling her and going, I'm not feeling great. I'm having a day. And she's like, okay. And she just talked to me and just remind, and she's like, you already know this, but this is this. And she kind yeah. of distracted me and let me talk through it. And she cried with me, which is really generous because she was at work. But after I talked to her for about 45 minutes, I got off the phone and it, it was, it was light, light. Yeah. it was done. And I didn't ruin the rest of my day, the rest of my night with kind of trying to keep it at bay. But isn't it funny that even 18 months later, I'm still yeah. teaching myself how to do this. It It is that though. And I'm grateful that you're saying that because I think we beat ourselves up. Oh, yeah. I've done this for 18 months. Yeah, I get really mad at myself for that. Yeah. Just and yet not here I am again. Mm -hmm. And it's that acceptance and grace and love mm -hmm. of saying, Hey, yeah, it makes sense why you're feeling this today. That song is sad. It reminds me, you know, mm -hmm. and having someone that you can call. That's pretty amazing. I feel like speaking it mm -hmm. and I use Marco Polo a lot because my friends don't live near. Oh yeah. And so I'm like, if they don't have time, it's fine. I can just 
talk to a screen and tell them yeah. all the things it de- and it works. Yeah, it, it does. Still feels good. Yeah. Cause I'm speaking it. So I love you and I love your whole energy and all that you give to the world. Oh, so thank you for being here well, and thank sharing you for having me and talking about difficult things. I think you're really helping a lot of people and I love to see the good things that you're doing. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.